0: To another episode of the world-class agency podcast on this week we're talking to Nicola Bruman from Brumman recruitment she's a lady who's had a background in the property industry and has since gone into estate agency specific recruitment so we're really looking forward um, to having her on the show and um, my name is more than ever I'm joined by Sam Hunter Sam hey what's going on I know it's a busy time for, for you guys at home search with your trial expiring so how's it going
1: yeah, as as we record this, we are uh, the first day of the tw- like twenty nineteen. Uh, beta users either being paid pro or uh, being a free user, and so it's been a hectic couple of days. Um, like a bit of a lot of like nervous anxiety and uh, around the office as we were leading into yesterday when the sort of trial was expiring last night um, for the majority of our our users from last year, but. Um, it's been largely successful. We, we were talking off air. Um, we've achieved sort of fifteen, sixteen percent of our uh, end of twenty twenty user target already, um, which is nice. Um, and it's it's yeah, off to a good start. Yeah, where we we gave ourselves a little tap on the back yesterday. I think this time next week will be a more representative sort of figure of where we're at. Um, just because yep. we didn't. Ever expect, we probably didn't expect this many people to plug in straight up, but we didn't really expect agents to come back to the system until it had gone away. So I think next week, after a week, particularly given again, it's been another week of where people have got a lot of good stuff to say. You know, you read the news and people are reporting their busiest um, start to a January in sort of five years. I read something this morning where Chesterton said that their inquiries are up 76%. Um, on January last year, um, like that's a big number, you know? And so maybe yeah. we maybe we've just been fortunate to get the timing right in terms of when we're monetizing um, with a bit of a shift in the market. But I've been uh, hammering on this week to anyone who will listen that the next six months are like the Goldilocks zone where there's activity and people are wanting to do deals yeah. for probably the right price, but it's still not easy. You know, you're not going to get three offers above asking price unless that asking price is 20% under market value. So you've still got to have that skill yeah. and ability as an agent. So if you put the work in now, when it does get easy, you are literally just going to clean up. And I know you and I have talked about this off camera. You we know, yeah, you talk about you hiring some new staff and ways that you've done that as well. And and. The mindset shift is maybe the right word. I was talking to Rob Brady from Iceberg Digital um, through the week. Um, friend, we're doing, friend of the show. Friend of the show. Uh, yeah. G'day, Rob. And we, we, I, I said to him, I, we, I think we're doing the same marathon running plan at the moment. Except he's running a marathon, and I'm just looking for something to keep me focused. Um, And I I said, I I don't know whether it's the first time I've stuck to a running plan because my mindset shift because of all the people I seem to be speaking to every day, their mindset shift and it's actually rubbing off on me. But the the concept of hard work is really evident out there in the market right now. And that's exciting because that means that it'll get good quicker. But when it gets good, all the people who are doing that now are going to see success financially as well as relationship wise, which is a good thing for everybody, I think.
0: Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of positivity in the market. When you know, I always I always feel for your wife when you say you that you're talking real estate to anyone who could who could listen. Um, but but apart from that, the agents that I'm talking to are, are all buzzing. And I think you, yeah. you you're exactly right. There's that mindset mindset shift. Um, I think I've said before, it's, it's, it's happened with me, that self-development journey um, that, that we're on together, to be fair, and hopefully all of our listeners are yeah. on by, by simply listening. Um, but what you said about that mindset shift, I started to definitely feel the benefits of not drinking now. We're, I think I'm 12 days in, something like that. Um, the first week, I think, was um, perhaps the excitement of being back to work. But this week, I've been you know, fully energized. I've been to the gym more. Um, than I would have been previously um, and it's definitely having an effect that I'm much more productive at work Um mm-hmm. so I'm I'm really looking to see really looking forward to see how that, that develops.
1: How's your sleep?
0: Uh, well actually as it happens I've had a couple of, um, of later nights than I would have liked because I tend to go to the gym in the morning before before work so my alarm's sort of quarter to six so I try and get to bed for half nine ten o'clock as exciting as that is and i've not managed it but it's not affected me um at work in that i'm not feeling tired or or anything like that so that's kind of Mm. the energy that i'm talking about being able to maybe survive on a little bit less sleep than ideally i would like and also my two-year-old's decided that six o'clock is a pretty cool time to wake up now so
1: yeah yeah who needs an alarm (laughs) clock when you've got zach right
0: yeah, well, Zach actually woke up five minutes before my alarm this morning. So, but he's he, he he's he refuses to go back to sleep. So my wife was not happy this morning.
1: Yeah, I, I I the the one thing I've noticed being not drinking is the sleep. Like, this week has been anxious, you know, for a lot of us. Yeah, and of yet, course, yeah, um, yeah, imagine. And we we've just been sort of we're going into the unknown now. You know, it's and, and what's going to happen and. Those thoughts don't really leave your mind, but I'm the same as you. I'm going to bed 10 o'clock. I had one one eleven-thirty uh, evening this week, um, but I just that, we were playing sport late that night. But I'm like sleeping like I haven't slept. I reckon in years, certainly not since I moved to London, where there's like a siren going past or there's always light yeah. in the air. And both both Liz and I like we've got one of those light alarm clocks that wakes you up with light, yeah. and then it. if if, if you don't wake up with the light then it screams in your ear and we're both sort of waking up going like oh this is what it's like to actually get out of bed at six o'clock in the morning and not feel like a zombie you know um and i had like not a lot's changed other than drinking and we didn't drink that much but even that small bit makes a difference so um yeah whether our listeners want to hear it or not we're going to keep you we're going to keep you updated on this journey (laughs) as we go along
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Shall we we dive in and introduce Nicola?
1: Rock and roll. We're joined today to talk all things world-class estate agency recruitment by someone who is well-placed, more than most to offer insight on the subject in a career that's entering its 16th year, believe it or not, uh, in the industry. She's had success in estate agency, both working in and consulting with household brands before in 2019 setting up her own independent property sector recruitment firm, which has gone from strength to strength in a very short time. It's a business built on values of being human, being effective, and being reliable. We bloody love that. Um, And we know she's the real driving force behind the Broomham family success. Nicola Broomham, welcome to the World Class Agency podcast.
2: (laughs) Good morning. Thank you for having
1: me. Let's hope Paul doesn't listen
0: eh, Sam? (laughs) I was going to
2: say, that was quite an introduction. I think Paul might have something to say about that.
0: the first the first uh, husband and, and wife duo to come on the podcast so it's so a welcome and i think it'll be uh, paul's was last week wasn't it sam so i think nicholas will be next week so he'll be back to back as well
1: oh, uh, jerry God, in the middle
0: okay. oh sorry yeah jerry in the middle yeah yeah okay cool um nicole thanks very much for for coming on to start with can you just talk us through your your career a little bit, um, and uh, both agency side and then recruitment, and maybe what's changed over the last sixteen years, and what, what's kept you in it, and what's your passion, um, kind of how yeah, that, how's sure. that developed?
2: Yeah, sure. So um, I joined agency when I was I don't know nineteen or something, um, and I went into agency because, to be frank, I needed a company car. <laughs> um, and if I went into agency, I got a car with it um, so i joined uh, I joined Romans um, and they were um, they were great. I came in as a, as a trainee letting sneg um, and they taught me everything that I needed to know about agency. They are such a great breeding ground um, and interestingly, a lot of the people that joined Romans back in the time when I did have gone on to really great things. Um, lots of MDs of companies and things like that have come out of that generation of Romans employees which is which is really interesting. Um, I worked my way through Romans, as um, an assistant manager then I did a bit of corporate stuff um, then I was headhunted and asked to set up a company called Born um, they're over in Farnham. They now I think have about nine branches um, and incredibly successful at what they do
1: um, and
2: I set up their lettings division. Um, But at that point, I then, we had kids, um, and kids (laughs) and agency just don't mix. Um, Tell me about it. Yeah, it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. Um, And it is actually one of the things that I, as a recruiter now, work really hard um, to try and change. So, but we'll come on to that a bit later. Um, But uh, I then had, yeah, so three kids. um, And in between that, I did a bit of consulting. We lived in the West Country, um, and there were a couple of smaller agents who I went into and helped them to try and improve upon their performance, um, you know, get, get their productivity up, staff, and morale, all of that sort of stuff. They had some real, real issues. Um, and I did yeah. some consulting with them. Um, and then I decided that I kind of had enough of being a parent and I felt like my brain was turning <laughs> to mush um, uh-huh. and I wanted to go back to work. And... I looked at going back to doing what I was doing before, which was effectively a lettings manager. Um, and I just couldn't make the maths work. We couldn't make the maths work. Mm-hmm. With the what I was gonna afford, having had that long out of the industry, what, what we could afford childcare-wise versus what I was gonna be paid just didn't add up. So um, I went and did a bit of part-time property recruitment. And I thought, you know what, I'll give it a go. If I'm rubbish at it, I've, you know, what have I got to lose? Um, and it turned out I wasn't rubbish at it. And it was actually something I loved. And so here we are now, um, a few years down the line from when I started doing that uh, with, with my own business. So, but it's the reason why I, lo- I stuck with property and the reason I love property is because my whole family are in it. You know, I'm married to Paul, as, as everyone knows. Um, who's, who's obviously commercial director for Alexander & Co. My sister is one of the partners for new homes, um, for, for one mm. of the corporates. My brother in laws an area manager. Even my mum works in new homes. So it's, uh, it's kind of ingrained in all of us. And we make a Can't bit of a joke of it. Yeah, absolutely. And imagine how competitive our house is at Christmas when we get a monopoly <laughs> ball out or something ridiculous. You know. <laughs> house full of salespeople. Um So, so yeah, it's... it's Property is virtually runs through my veins and um, I, we were looking the other day because it was our, we're talking about our anniversary, our wedding anniversary and we were looking back through the photos and I think half the room was full of estate agents. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's, uh, it's kind of what we do um, and it's, we're both very passionate about it as broomums, and it seemed to make sense that this was a sector that I worked in as a recruiter.
1: Nice. So on on that recruitment then, um, I know, so a lot of our listeners are business owners who are sort of planning big years ahead um, and some people are beyond that January warm-up and are really into it already um, and others Mm -hmm. sort of not so much, shall we say. Um, If they are to have these, you know, massive years that everyone wants to have and everyone plans for come November, December, January, they're going to need great staff to help them sort of achieve that vision. So my question, I guess, is like, Mm -hmm. what do you look for? in the ideal candidate let's let's say for an independent agent where they're they're looking to just grow their bottom line is it any different to between whether they're going to a corporate company or whether they're going to a family-owned business like what does what what is your ideal candidate um
2: it's a really tough question this um and i don't think there is a one-size-fits-all and i think this is where recruitment goes wrong um, I actually think that one of the things that I'm really passionate about is, is visiting every single client and getting sitting with them in their office, getting a really good feel of their culture. Um, what, where, where is that person that I'm going to hire? Where are they going to be sat? What's their view like out their window? What's the person sat next to them like? How does it feel in that office? Is it vibrant and buzzy or is it you know, quite chilled out? Different people needs to be different people slot into different companies in different ways and i don't think this one size fits all recruitment it works um it's like i was using this analogy the other day cuz i got a couple of new starters with me at the moment and i was saying to them you know yes you can buy you can buy a coat you can buy a coat from Primark and it will do the job or you can buy it from Jaeger and you know it will do a job and it might last a bit longer or you can go real boss hog and get something from Burberry and it will do effectively the same job as your coat from Primark but they're completely different products. It, you know, It's a crap analogy but I, the point that I was trying to make is that you cannot, you cannot just assume that a sales neg that works for company A is going to work in company B um, and I think that One of the things that's so important that companies get right is trying to understand exactly what their company is offering to potential employees. um, And looking at how they are selling themselves and what they want that employee to bring to their business. Um, I think that's where they get it wrong. I think they just think they can hire a sales neg or a lettings neg and they'll, they'll all perform the same or they'll automatically assume that what that company wants from them. And if the companies are gonna really succeed, they need to make sure they have that right fit. It's so yeah. important.
1: Do you think that there's a mentality of just more equals more? Um, and like, it, we we talk about like, bums on seats doesn't equal sales, and you know, it probably ends up being almost to the detriment of your business if you just slap shit against the wall and hope yeah. that it works. Um, is that uh, sort, yeah. of a, a sort of summation of, of yeah. the problems that you're identifying?
2: Hundred percent, hundred percent. If you um, just by having some a body there doesn't mean that body is going to perform for you. Um, mm-hmm. You can have three people in, but if you've got three people in and they're all doing a crap job, then yeah, you, know, you just need one really, really good one who's going to outperform all three of those people. But that good one has got to really understand what's expected of them as well, um, and they've got to understand how they are going to be looked after how they are going to be trained how they are going to be rewarded going forward too because a lot of i think a lot of the, the issues companies have is that they think oh we will just hire we will just hire mike smith michael come in he'll he'll answer the phones he'll book some viewings but if mike smith doesn't understand what's expected of him and doesn't understand how he's going to be rewarded for what he does especially with the younger generation i've really noticed is this myself hiring recently um then it's it's not going to work for anybody it has to be a real mutual relationship between two of sharing knowledge and sharing understanding um you can't just have a bum on a seat it doesn't work like that anymore we're not in the 1980s
0: and I thought it was really interesting what you said there Nicola about having one person can do the job of potentially having three people if you get the right person but it's um exactly the same in reverse isn't it and probably more importantly um if you get one bad person if you make that one bad hire it can be massive massive massively detrimental to your team and it could mean that you lose the two good people for example
2: completely I had this conversation with somebody this week and uh the, the, analog, the, old, the old saying of you're only as strong as your weakest team member is incredibly, incredibly true. The estate agency is a, it's a people business and yeah. all it takes is one person to do a bad job. And you, you know what it's like. You go into a restaurant and your food was phenomenal. You'll probably tell a couple of people. But if your food was horrendous, you'll tell ten. It's the same as yeah. dealing with that one neg or that one valuer or whoever it may be, that one person in the office that's done a rubbish job. That, that is going to have such a huge detrimental effect on, on your reputation, but also on your team. You know, just because Mike's done that terrible job doesn't mean that Alex isn't, is the same. Um, and it's going to have such a knock-on effect to how... They're perceived by the client, but also how they're going to perceive each other. You know, Alex is sat there thinking, "Hang on a minute, I'm doing a great job here, and Mike's letting me down." Yeah. So it's yeah, it it can have um, getting it right is tough. It's really really tough. Um, I think um, I think recruitment is one of the biggest challenges that companies have. Can Can I just
0: kind of go a bit deeper on that, Nicola? Because I think that's that's a really really good point about making the wrong hire. We've We've um, made a mistake in the past and made a wrong hire and it cost us an awful lot of money. But um, what lessons can you maybe give some practical advice to our listeners about how to avoid making that wrong hire? And is there any steps that, that you take? Or maybe maybe you've put somebody in a job that was wrong and there'll be lessons that you've you've learned from that, no doubt. So I'm really interested as to what practical advice we can give to our listeners.
2: I think one one of the hardest things with making a wrong hire is admitting you've done it um and i've been that person i've been the person that's made a wrong hire and sat there two weeks later thinking oh god yeah this is embarrassing i need to i I almost i i need to go back on the decision that i've made and i think hiring managers quite often struggle with that and they'll try and make a bad hire work whereas actually you're better off just cutting your losses and dealing with it um and and i've struggled with that personally um but i i think as well the uh the way to try and avoid that bad hire is one of the things that we suggest to a lot of our clients is to do trial days or half trial days, or, or if there's an option to do it, a trial week. Um, it's very easy for somebody to sit in front of someone for an hour and impress them. Um, yeah. Perhaps then come back and you know, then meet the next person and impress them. But it can very easily be an act. Um, yeah. It's very hard to sustain an act over a longer period of time so it's more and more we're actually saying to people, get them in for a half day, get them sat at the desk where they're gonna sit and see how they get on with that team. A lot, of, a lot of the time where recruitment goes wrong is that hiring managers see it as one-sided. They automatically assume that that person wants to work for their business and wants to be part of it. Actually, it's not so much that anymore. I've had candidates that have come out of interviews having met a hiring manager and that hiring manager grilled them on an interview. And they've said to me, I don't want to work for them, yeah. but that hiring manager has assumed that they automatically do. And by doing something like a trial day or a trial morning or a few hours or whatever, it's a, it becomes very much a two-way process. They can really see how they're going to integrate with the existing team. They can look and, and see, what, see where's the parking? Is that parking sure. practical? Is that actually going to be a nightmare? Or what's the journey like? Um, they've told me on the interview that they've done a Google search and it says it's going to be twenty minutes. The reality is they are me across, you know, part of central London and it's taken them an hour and forty. It's it's by doing that and actually trialling out that that what is expected of them for a period of time um is is so beneficial and I would recommend everybody does that. Don't just go off of one interview or two interviews. Um that's a really good way to do it. The other thing as well is um, is go for a beer. <laughs> you know, before you get them in, after work on a Friday, get the whole team to go for a quick drink together in the pub. They, your hire will let their guard down. Whether they have yeah. an orange juice or is, is by the by. But, you know, it, they will let their guard down because they're in a much more social environment. And you will see the real them. Um, interview situations are false. Um, and because of that people can come across as very badly when they're actually amazing but they can also come across as being amazing when they're very bad um, so what you what need to try and do is create an environment where you see that true person um, mm. because sales is about personality at the end of the day um, people buy from people and if, you, and if you can really see what that actual person is like you'll get a much better idea if they're right for you I
1: think that's some great advice can we reverse that for a second then? Um, and so we've mm-hmm. talked about how you can sort of understand who the best candidate might be for your business and making sure they fit. And I think all of that really softens the first day mentality for the new person coming in as well, because they've actually seen some familiar faces. Maybe they've gone for a beer with them and it's just made mm-hmm. um, all that day just a little bit more comfortable. My, I guess my question yeah. is on the other side, what Makes a great business to place someone into?
2: Ah, okay. Um, so this is a tricky one because I have <laughs> clients that are from totally different ends of the spectrum. Um, so if I could hire in any kind of business where I know that someone's likely to stick and where I think it will be a success, I have to go with companies like Location Location. Um, I went to visit them. They—they they Obviously, they won copious amounts of awards last year, and there's a reason why they won those. Um, but going to visit their offices in Stoke Newington just blew my mind. Um, mm. the, the reason why is because they are so uh, forward-thinking, um, and they are so aware of how much they have to put into their team to get, out, get things out of their team. They do mindfulness training with their staff. Love that. Um, they uh, they have constant ongoing um, external trainers coming in to get the best out of out of their team. Um, the way that they motivate them ongoing and constantly, always aiming for something, the games that they play in their offices, um, it, it just, I couldn't believe it. I wanted to work there. I came out of <laughs> there thinking, do you know what? such recruitment. I'm going to go and work for Asset. <laughs> this is amazing. I, you, I wrote a blog post about it on the train on the way home because I was so in awe of what they do. Um, and being in awe of what they do was because of what they put into their team. Um, and they put, they work hard, they play hard and the results they get from that are phenomenal. So for me, they are the epitome of a perfect company to work for, especially as a, as a younger agent, um, coming into the market for the first time. Um, but the the other agents that do really well are the agents who really, um, value the people that work for them. So this company that I deal with, um, in Oxford called Brecon and Brecon, um, he, says to me, he, he said to me before that he doesn't feel he hires salespeople. He hires people that are good at building relationships. Mm. Um, he, he, pays, he pays really good basics because he doesn't feel that he should need to really motivate people to do their job by financially rewarding them. He wants people to do their job because they want be, to be helping people and they want to be making dreams come true and they want to be... Um, they they want to be good at their job just naturally, rather than being financially encouraged to do so. Um, <clears> so it's a slightly it's a it's a really slightly different spin on agency, um, but I really like it and it works. His staff retention is unreal. Um, there are very very few people that leave working for Brecken for that reason. Um, but then there's other companies um, that we deal with who are embracing a bit more of a hybrid model. Work-life balance. There's a company we deal with, Andrew Grant. Um, they, they do, they've changed their hours, so they do 40 hours a week. Um, but you can choose which of those, which of those 40 hours you want to do. Yeah. So actually, from a, a recruiting perspective and from a, a company you want to work for, do you know what? I'd love to go to the gym every Tuesday morning. You can do that when you work for them. You just might need to work a little bit later on a Wednesday to make it up. Those types of things. So the companies that I think that are going to do well going into 2020 and and the next decade especially with um, the world that we live in now um, what people need and what they want from work has changed and i think that the companies that will continue to do well are the companies that are embracing that change and providing something that actually gives back to their team which i think all of those three do
1: do do you think that the best people come from within the industry. Uh, I I like what you said before about uh, a company in Oxford, uh, where you are saying that they pay good basics and they just want people to help people. And you know, that's Mm -hmm. the mentality as far as I'm concerned. Um, And you'll end up being financially rewarded more than you would have had you been smashing the phones just to try and make 10% here or there. Um, And so I'm interested for your take. We've got our opinions and I I share mine with anyone who will listen, but I, I think I'm keen to know whether you think that the best people that you place with any of the businesses that you work with, whether they come whether existing within the industry or whether you're looking further afield.
2: Um, I would like to look more further afield because I actually think that some of the best people that work in the industry come from customer service, uh, retail as well, um, mm. come from backgrounds where they backgrounds, even hospitality, you know, people from those kind of backgrounds work really well because they understand about how important customer service is. Um, so I do think that a lot of good people come from out of industry, but I do think there are a lot of hiring managers who will not take people from out of industry.
1: Yeah.
2: One of the first things that people will often say to me is, Oh Nicola, I need a sales nick, They've got to have at least two years experience. Why? Yeah. Um, we have, we have people that, um, that we work with who simply will not take trainees because they don't have time to invest in that, in that person. They're expecting that person to have been trained elsewhere, but that person has been trained elsewhere. They then come in. It's a totally different culture, totally different set of processes and systems. And to be honest with you, that person genuinely doesn't work out because they're expecting them to, the hiring manager is expecting them to hit the ground running, know what they're doing and know what they're talking about, but they've learned it company A's way and company B is totally different. Um, And I think a lot of the time, hiring can be short-sighted because you think you're hiring someone with experience, but you're hiring somebody that's got into somebody else's bad habits. Yeah. Um, so So in answer to your question, I'd love to have more people that we could hire from out of industry, because there also aren't many people that come out of college or come out of uni and say, do you know what? I want to be an estate agent. Sounds great. But that doesn't happen but, anymore.
0: But people still get company cars, right? <laughs> yeah. Depends who you work for. But Yeah. <laughs> um, Nicola I'm, I'm really um, intrigued to ask so we've just been through a hiring process we actually made a um, job offer that was accepted yesterday so we're really excited but we started our year thank you we, we started our year um, at Moving Works, which is my traditional agency with our manager handing his is noticing so it was a bit of a bombshell wasn't it? kind of what we viewed as mm-hmm. a, the, the greatest start to the year and so we then kind of went through the process of put in the advert uh, online. And actually this guy was the first guy who applied. He was the only guy we interviewed, but it feels completely right. And I had a conversation with my mum, who I'm in business with um, earlier this week, and I said, do you think we need to go to a recruitment consultant? Do you think we need to try and have a look at interviewing a couple more candidates? And we're kind of a small um, independent estate agent. And her view on it was, well, The cost is going to be you know fairly significant so what i suppose i'm asking really is as a recruitment consultant what do you think are the massive benefits of an agency using a company like yours and how do you get get over um, kind of maybe the owners of the business thinking that the cost is prohibitive
2: um because what you're actually paying me for is to save you time that is the biggest reason why you use a recruitment consultant so if you if you found somebody that's applied from the first first application, that's amazing, and you're very very lucky. Um, I wish it was that easy every day. Um, we we on general generally for a um, new job will trawl through probably maybe I don't know, anywhere between 15 and 30 job applications before we can find one single decent CV. Really. Um, yeah. So a big, big part of what you're paying us to do is to save you time. You know, you're a, yeah. you're, you're a, busy, you're a busy man, you're a busy woman, you're, you're a business owner. You do not have time to be trawling through crap, which is basically what a huge <laughs> part of it is. I cannot tell you the number of applications I get on a daily basis where we ask you know, a set set of criteria. Do you drive? Do you live in close proximity? Um, do you have a customer service background? And you'll get no, 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 no. for Every single one of those, but they'll still submit their application. Um, but I think uh, the whole reason why using a recruitment company is beneficial is because, as I said earlier, we really try to understand what your business is about and what you want within your business that's going to be perfect for you. And by doing that, We can then go away and hopefully come to you and say, right, these are the three, four, five, six, ten people. In an ideal world, finding ten people in the current market is not easy. Um, But these are the people that we genuinely feel are the right people for that that role. We have spent God knows how much time um, trawling through CVs, going through LinkedIn, going through all the various databases, um, looking for the right person that is going to, to to be good for you Um, and yes a hiring manager can do that of course they can but I think you've got to weigh up your time versus money Um, it's exactly the same as why you get your cleaner or why you get someone to do your ironing for you you know you've got to work out what's more important and I think that for us if we can save you hours of not just trawling through CVs and that side of it but also the interview side we, we speak to these people we we grill them Um, We'll put together a profile for you so that you can very, very quickly make a decision by what we've sent you as to whether or not we're on the right track. Um, We'll arrange Zoom interviews, face-to-face Zoom interviews with them, um, and we can even video those and send them to you. So you can even see what this person looks like and effectively the interview that we've had without wasting any of your your diary. Um, So it's about time. And that's what I think as a hiring manager, you need to weigh up as to what's important
0: and how long does that process normally take is there there an average
2: how long's a piece of string um (laughs) is the answer to that um you know i had a call yesterday from a a client who said right i need i need a a a lettings neg in um in milton keynes and we were like yes right fine we've got four of those because we know we've spoken to those this week and we could get those cvs cvs over in about an hour Mm. um but we have other roles, we've had other roles in Deepest Darkest Wales, um, which has taken us three months to find a single yeah. decent candidate for. Um, so it's, it's difficult, it's really difficult, but I would say at the moment, it is, um, there aren't a lot of candidates out there. Yeah. We haven't had that January, new job, new me, new start, we haven't had that yet. And I think that's partly because actually the market's picked up. But, you know, from the election and things like that, we are seeing things really change in the housing market for the better. And I think that that's, that's really prompted people to actually say, do you know what, I might stick it out for a bit, see how it goes. Um, we're certainly not seeing the usual January influx of CVs that we would normally see, which is a good thing, really. Mm, absolutely. So,
1: on, on that note, let's say there are, there's probably a couple of people who are going to be listening to this, who either are looking to hire, Or looking to be hired, Um, maybe they just haven't made it publicly known yet. What, what's like a great question that will separate a great company to the best candidate? If there's not, if there's a shortage of candidates out there, you've got to catch on to those decent ones that you were saying. Or if you are a good candidate and you want to go and work somewhere where there's flexible working hours, or you're getting a good basic, or maybe your commission splits a bit better, or you're doing mindfulness training. What a, uh, give me one question that a candidate can ask and give me one question that a company can ask a candidate to really stand out. No pressure. <laughs> yeah,
2: no pressure. <laughs> um, okay. I think that the, the, the co- what the companies need to be asking um, in order for them to be seen as a really good company to work for is they need to be talking to that candidate about their motivations and what they feel that the candidate would like invested in them. Um, mm. And I, like I, think, I think if they can show the candidate that they are willing to invest, okay, maybe not, not just financially, but also time in um, personal development, those types of things, mm-hmm. helping them to achieve some goals, um, helping them to support them um, through, through anything that they need support for. I think that from a candidate perspective, that's like, wow. that's a bit of a game changer. That's, that's somebody who I want to work for. That's someone that actually cares about me, not just cares about their bottom line. Um, so I think from a company side of things that that's really good. Um, I think from a candidate perspective, I think it's really useful for a candidate to understand what that hiring managers motivations are for their, for, for bringing somebody into their business. Um, and why that hiring manager is working for who they're working for. Um, you know, why do they enjoy working for X, Y, Z company? What's, what's, what's making them stay working for them? What's the thing they enjoy most about working for the company they're working for? Um, it's really, again, being on the other, other foot, it's really useful sometimes for a candidate to understand um, what the best bits are about the company that aren't just laid out on the about us page. Um, <laughs> It may well be that, so there's a company I deal with in South London who um, they have a netball team and a football team uh, within the company that play during the week in the evenings. Um, and it's a really, really nice thing to have. They don't necessarily shout about it. It's just really helps them to create their team cohesion um, and they all have fun together. Mm. Um, but it's, it's good to do a bit of sport and stuff like that as well. But that's some, the company pays for the hire of those courts and pays for the hire of those halls. And, it's those little things but i think if a candidate can try to drill down onto actually what is it about this company that's great what do you love most about it then i think it might make the hiring manager think a little bit about um about their longevity within the company you know you have the usual um i don't know where do you see yourself in five years those types of questions or things like that 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 people ask Um, but I, I think it's uh, the other question that's really good. Actually, sorry, my brain's just whirring while I'm talking to you. The other thing that's really no, good was... is um, to ask that hiring manager, um, who's their best employee and why?
1: Because
2: mm. then at least they can try to understand what's expected of them. So if their best employee is actually Mary, who works in admin, because she, she's great at at being resilient and um, multitasking and She's solid and dependable. Then you know that that what that hiring manager really wants and really looks yeah. for in a member of staff. Whereas if they say, actually, you know, it's it's Julie who was our best business winner because every single instruction she goes out to, she's got a 95% conversion rate or whatever it may be. Then you know that that's where their focus is. Mm-hmm. So I think asking those types of questions as well are quite useful from a candidate perspective, but from a hiring manager perspective, it also shows that you're not just thinking along the usual candidate lines you're more like you're yeah. interested in digging in
0: i think there's some great some some great questions and i always think as a candidate you know is your opportunity to interview the employer as well as as vice yeah. versa isn't it Yeah,
2: 100 percent.
0: great stuff 100%. um we, we are gonna have to wrap it up nicola um so yeah. our, our final question as always is what does world-class estate agency look like to you
2: World-class estate agency to me is... Um, Can not say your husband? Pheno- <laughs> <laughs> World-class agency for me um, is phenomenal customer service. It's going that extra mile. It is constantly about building rapport. It's about repeat business. It's about um, embracing tech and being a bit down with the kids um, on that side of things. But it's 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 got to be about your staff and your people and making sure that they feel incredibly valued and your continual nurturing of those people hmm. uh, that's yeah. world craft agency for me
1: great stuff great stuff Good fantastic mm. nicola thank you so much um they, i've been sort of thank sort of you. trying to type as softly as i can so that my keyboard strokes didn't come through on the audio um but you've given us so much um not only for mark and i as selfish business owners to improve our own recruitment processes but um for for all our listeners to understand the questions that should be asked of not only candidates in in an interview process but of their business as a whole to make sure that they are as desirable as the people they want to attract um how can people get in touch with you if they want to have a chat
2: uh, have a look at our website um, com or uh, give us a call um, our, our details are online um, or grab me on LinkedIn, drop me a message on LinkedIn um, whatever's easiest for you there are plenty of ways, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're kind of all over the place really Nice.
1: So, awesome. um, yeah. thank you for your time, we're both very grateful to speak to you again yep. Thanks, thank Nicole. you very
2: much, speak to you soon guys, bye
0: a massive thank you to Nicola Bruman from Bruman Recruitment for joining us on today's episode of the World Class Agency podcast. A really interesting insight, and I think you know, there's some fantastic takeaways there for anybody who is hiring at the moment or you know hiring in the future, or maybe as, as John Paul says, always be hiring. So um, for me, one of the first things that I took from what, what she said, <laughs> I found her story about her career really entertaining, the company car benefits there, um, but for a recruitment perspective, she talked about not having a one-size-fits-all policy um, mm. personally. And I think, you know, she talked about getting involved in the business, getting, you know, to, to feel that culture. Um, and whilst that's, you know, specific to her role in the recruitment process, I think actually the one thing that we can take from that is that you've got to get that culture across to a potential candidate. And you've got to, you know, almost allow them to, to sit in the seat, to feel it, to feel what your company is all about before, you know, making them that job offer. I think that was really important for me.
1: It, it's maybe not, it's certainly not something that I'd considered before I'd sat on the other side of that, like hiring table. Um, yep. I'm, Got a, like literally the only job interview I've ever been for was the first job that I had when I was working as a checkout chick at a supermarket. And then every every job interview since then, I've known somebody or I've literally walked in and had a conversation with someone, which might have been a job interview in, in real estate or something like that. But it's you you don't realise that you're selling your company as much as the candidate uh, is selling themselves um and Absolutely. To, to walk and, and Nicola made a great point about somebody just assuming that that person wanted to work for them and then you know they've missed out on a really good candidate because they've sort of had that air of arrogance about them and not taking the time to yeah. care about them yeah. um we you know we've talked about culture on this on the show before and we'll probably talk about it again it's it's vital if you've got a good one it should be the centerpiece of your hiring strategy um, not just Absolutely. going out and winning business, but making sure you're attracting the right people who can go out and win your business. So it was nice to sort of hear that and to hear that in her business, she makes sure that it's not just a case of, yeah, I'll do, I'll go and find you somebody. It's like, okay, cool. You know, I'm going to be out there representing you It's my reputation to these candidates or vice versa. Mm-hmm. You know, tell me what you're going to be able to do for them. Tell me who you are as a business. Tell me what matters to you so I can find you the right fit um, one of the, to, to skip way ahead, but I think it matters to this, was just talking about placing a candidate took her a few months in Wales. I love the fact that she said it took us a few months to find a decent candidate. And like decent was the key word um, yeah. because she probably could have turned around and, and put someone in there, literally put a bum on seat, as we were talking about, yeah. um, in, in a week or two. And yet that would have been to the detriment of the business probably to the candidate and certainly to her reputation with that business and anyone else they might be talking to moving forward. So yeah, I would hope that uh, it's pretty common sense, not having a cookie cutter approach and and not sort of slapping, you know, shit against the wall and hoping some of it sticks because it's not proven that it doesn't work, you know?
0: Um,
1: and I, the, the, the trial days thing was quite cool to me. I like the fact that she said, Anyone can fake it for an hour, um, yeah. but it's difficult for them to go longer and to take them to the pub. I think that's a really good way of, of bringing that new person in or a potential new person into the organisation. Um, interestingly, when I first got here in London, um, I went and had a chat with the guy who was going to be my manager and then went in and met all the people in the office in Little Venice where I was working yeah. two weeks before I started you know, yep. couldn't remember any of their names uh, two weeks later when I got in there. It was probably too big of a gap of time between that and starting. But yeah, yep. knew the faces. Everybody knew who I was. It wasn't a case of like, go around the table and shake everyone's hands. It was like, okay, cool. We sort of know each other now. We can get to know each other yep. more, but let's get down to work. Um, so like- that, that was quite interesting to me.
0: It's that, it's, that, it's that first day and you know, kind of making it as um, easy as possible for, for the new starter as well isn't it, I really like the trial days, I really liked um, mm. what she said about um, having having a beer or an orange juice, whatever, whatever it might be, the drinks are relevant but actually finding out about it and I, I also kind of put the dots together we didn't necessarily talk about it but I'm sure it's Nicola that's had the influence on Paul and Alexander at Co of them getting the feedback from the team so if, yeah. if your team, it, after the trial day or after the you know um, fr- Friday night drinks whatever it might be if they turn around and say no I think he's got a real problem because he did this or you know oh, fantastic I'm really looking forward to him it builds the expectation but also it, it from the other side hopefully it cuts off any of you know the potential problems that you could have uh, early on and I thought Nicola's Nicola's um, failing fast policy with making the wrong hire mm. was you know a really valuable thing to do we've all done it you know because i don't think anyone particularly enjoys you know going through the recruitment process as uh, an employer you know it's not something that you know, most employers would wake up tomorrow morning and think oh yes we're looking for a new member of staff i think you know, <laughs> as, as nicola said at the end it's one of those things where you're like oh i've got to do this and it's going to take so much time and we're going to have to you know sift through all these cvs which is going to be really time consuming so actually if you can maybe admit when you've you've made a mistake it's probably going to be you know much less damaging to the business than you know just trying
1: to suck it and see agreed um it you know like you never know hiring is like an experiment it's a hypothesis and then when they join yep. you that's when you're certain and i reckon certainty comes pretty quick you know the, the couple of people that haven't quite worked out in our business <laughs> we knew on day one <laughs> and and we were yeah. like and it, it, it's our fault and it's our responsibility. Uh, and yet yeah, we've let some, like one of them, we let drag on a couple of weeks, one of them we let drag on a couple of months because we were like, oh yeah. no, maybe, maybe it'll work out. But you know, when you know, you know, and I think Nicola made yeah. that point, you've, you've got to, you know, learn quickly, make adjustments, in, it's probably the most politically correct way I can describe the scenario yeah, I'm talking cool. about now, make adjustments quickly. And then yep. don't make that same mistake again or ask those questions. Um, you know, one, talking questions, um, like we put on the spot there a little bit. And that's why I wanted to ask that question. I, I actually only thought of that I wanted to ask that as we were going through this interview. But I love the fact that a, a great question to ask if you're looking for a new role to, your, to the company that you're interviewing with is like, what? how do you invest in your staff? Um, because we were talking at the top of the show about our own mindset shifts and the mindset shift that's happening in the market that's either rubbing off on us or vice versa or everyone who's talking to each other is doing the right thing. But for somebody to ask that of a business and if the business just looks like a deer in headlights and it's like, what do you mean? We don't train anybody because everyone just leaves. (laughs) There are businesses out there that are guilty of having that mentality um, and you and I both agree that we think it's wrong. But yeah, if they then turn around, and they say, "Oh well, we've got. Not only do we have uh, professional development, training, mindset. I love that that mindfulness training that she was talking about. With location, location. Shout out to Asad, friend of the show. Um, it's being able to say other things like, 'Oh, you know, you know, some of the guys play fireside or netball, and we actually take care of that because culture is really important to us. And work hard, play hard yeah. doesn't have to be work hard, get smashed." You know, Work hard, yeah. play hard is enjoy each other's company and further the relationships that you have from work outside of work. And that's really important that's to make really that important. difference. Yeah, I love that. And yeah. like the companies that yeah. she mentioned, um, uh, like clearly we need to go and speak to those people and have them on this podcast because they're doing things that are leading to really massive success in terms of their, their staffing and the results that they're probably getting their clients and the reputations they probably have in the marketplace. And I think that all stems back to um, you know, investing in their staff. It's a great question. Uh,
0: yeah, absolutely. You, you just going, go back to kind of my own experience because we've been through this process um, mm. very, very recently. Um, it was quite, you know. Almost rewarding to hear us say a number of the things which which we've done in our recruitment process but we actually brought our manager who's leaving obviously he's leaving on very good terms um and we wish him all the best but we brought him into the first interview with, with his replacement to kind of get across that um you know, good bits and bad bits of the job as well. You know, I, I openly said to him, you know, you're more than welcome to, you know, have a chat, tell him what you don't like, tell him, tell him what, what you do like. He's moving on for, for a career change. Um, but she said that the agents that do well are the agents that value their people. So, um, mm. you know, the stuff like you talked about, like the football and what have you, that's not just doing one thing. That's an underriding value of the company. They value their people you know, above, you know, all else. And I think it's Richard Branson, isn't it, that says, you know, don't look after your customers, look after your staff, and they'll look after your customers.
1: Yeah. Um, Massively. Like, that is the point to be made, you know, and you will recruit, and you will uh, retain. And I think retention is probably something we are guilty of not talking about enough. And I think that's a massive part of recruiting, right? Um, and maybe we yep. get Nick or we get somebody else back on the show to talk about retention more than anything else. Cause th- that's probably a massive point, but you do invest in staff, you do take care of them and the rest does kind of take care of itself because if they're, yep. they feel safe, like two of our, our values at home search are that people feel valued and people feel safe. You know? Yeah. Um, and we like, don't share them probably externally as much as we should, but certainly whenever we interview people, you know, you're interviewing a a full stack software developer and you say, we want you to feel safe and we want you to feel valued. And they kind of look at you like, what what do you mean by that? You know, you know, Oh, I want my like 0.01% and 25 days holiday. And then I just want big (laughs) headphones and to be left alone. Um, Whereas whereas I'm just like, Oh mate, the universe is a real thing. So let's talk about that and how you feel. (laughs) um yeah it, it, it is massive and and yeah it's, she's articulated their point better than, than any of us could um but talking world class just for a second because um that was probably um the shortest but most direct answer that we got and i think it was because nicholas had experience not only in the past learning her own way and this is probably something that has carried through in whatever business she's been involved with and whether Paul and Alexander and co have rubbed off on her or more likely Paul, sorry, mate, but she's rubbed off on you. Um, Yeah. Rapport and getting repeat business and referrals and that world-class outstanding customer service that, you know, that is world-class agency. Everything that we've talked about in the past, whether it's, you know, that repeat and referral business or having high fees or making sure that you use emotive marketing or anything like that it streams back to the customer, the client, looking after them, showing yeah. care.
0: Phenom- I think she said phenomenal customer service, you know, yeah. incredible staff, incredible people making them, them feel valued. But the one thing in her answer that I really wanted to, to pick up on is she talked about nurturing your people. You know, mm. and again, you know, we, we talked um, to, to some agents about this um, when we were in Birmingham, but we talk about nurturing your people, not your staff your people your colleagues it's to you know it's it's an it's an us um, type culture we, we often talk in a um, state agency now about nurturing clients you put people at the top of the funnel you take them on a nurture journey and um, so they then turn in, turn into a client but I actually think you know probably the more um, important thing is to nurture your your team. So you can mm. you can nurture your colleagues and, and you help them go through. They're not going through the funnel and coming out as ever. It's an ongoing process, that nurture process. And I think that's really, really, really important that a lot of estate agents could take and, and try and implement into their business.
1: Yeah, agreed. Um, more and more, I think this is becoming, people are realizing that this is what really good real estate looks like, you know, what world-class yeah. estate agency looks like. Um, and long may it continue, you know, it, it, it's, it's, um, not a shame, but it's surprising that it's taken so long. Um, and I think that we're here now, um, and yeah. the speed at which that mentality, that mindset, that business philosophy from the top of the chain, all the way down to a negotiator, training negotiator, office administrator, etc., uh, will rapidly increase and become what the market and what agency looks like by middle of this decade yeah absolutely
0: looking looking, looking forward to it as well you and me both cool thank you very much for, for listening thank you once again to nicola Broomham. Um, we do this because we love our industry we want to see it get better please if, if you like what we're doing maybe share it out on social media share it with you with your colleagues you know spread the love i'm mark Worrell. he's sam hunter thank you very much we'll see you next week